You know, at the end of the day, this trial is going to come down to 20 statements. The president's lawyers alleging a company called Dominion, which they say started in Venezuela with Cuban money and with the assistance of Smartmatic software, a backdoor is capable of flipping votes. This was a, this was a stolen election, Lou. I know I know the uh, the phony elites don't want to hear it. All the machines are infected with the software code that allows Dominion to shave votes for one candidate and give them to another. These are 20 statements that were said on air on Fox, Fox News and Fox Business, statements that were about Dominion's voting machines. And these are statements that we know are not true. This is my colleague, Alahe Azadi. You probably know her best as one of the hosts of this show, Post Reports. But when Alahe isn't hosting, she's actually a media reporter. And that means for months now, she's been immersed in this trial that's just getting started in Wilmington, Delaware. Dominion Voting Systems, they sued Fox News two years ago for $1.6 billion. And they claim that Fox hosts and executives, that they knowingly aired false information about Dominion after the 2020 presidential election as Donald Trump was losing that race. So even though inside the courtroom, I'm expecting to hear a lot of, you know, very specific legal arguments about what is actual malice and what does Supreme Court precedent say about defamation. This case has also turned into being about much more than that. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Libby Casey, your guest host. It's Friday, April 14th. Today, ahead of opening arguments on Monday, we're digging into what each side will argue and the huge stakes for information and democracy. Dominion is maybe a company that a lot of people didn't really know that by name before the 2020 election, but they are a voting technology company. And during the 2020 election and in the aftermath of, of that, if we can all think back to that moment, when it became clear that perhaps President Trump wasn't going to win re-election, it was at that time that Trump-aligned attorneys started going on Fox News and talking about voter fraud and claiming that Dominion Systems had basically thrown the election to Joe Biden. And Dominion says that by airing these claims and, and putting on all these statements on air, it really damaged their business. And so they're suing for $1.6 billion in damages. So what's the question at the heart of this case that the jury will have to decide? They're going to be focused on a central question. Did Fox act with actual malice? Actual malice is a legal term, and it comes from the Supreme Court case from 1964, New York Times v. Sullivan. And that case really established a defamation standard. So when you're a public figure and you're suing for defamation, it's kind of hard to prove because there's a really high standard of you have to basically show that these statements were published by people who knew they were wrong, who knew they were false, or in a manner of like they acted with something called reckless disregard for the truth so that they 
there was a high probability that they knew it was false or suspected it could be false. It's for this reason, this actual malice standard, that it's actually really hard to prevail in defamation cases. They rarely make it this far. And so that's sort of where we stand there. And then jurors, jurors in this trial will also have to decide on any monetary damages. Um, they will be hearing evidence about whether Dominion really did suffer $1.6 billion, and they're going to be the ones to, to make that call. So they get to decide how much this is worth if they decide that Dominion has a solid case. So, Alahe, what do Dominion's lawyers have to convince the jury of if they want to win? And you pointed out it's it's rare to even get to this point. It's hard to win a defamation case. Yeah, so this is where I feel like the next five weeks we're going to be in this almost like looking at organizational charts within Fox News and debating, like, who was responsible for what part of what was on air. Because what Dominion has to convince a jury is that the people who either said these things or were responsible for the content on air knew these things were false, that Dominion did not throw the election. And they're going to have to convince a jury of that. And so I'm expecting to hear, you know, a lot of argument about whether some of these executives that we've now seen through private communications doubted or knew these claims were false whether these executives bore responsibility for what was on air. So take us back to 2020. This is the hot presidential election between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. What are the claims that were being made on Fox News that Dominion is pointing to as examples of how the company was defamed? That's to put it mildly, the computer glitches could not and should not have happened in at, at all. Those, that is where the fraud took place, where they were flipping votes in the computer system or adding votes that did not exist. We need an audit of all- Sidney Powell, who was a Trump-aligned attorney um, emerging in the days after the election, going on uh, Maria Bartiromo's show and talking about Dominion's machines enabled fraud. So she's doing that on November 8th. And then on November 12th, we have a segment on Lou Dobbs Tonight. This is on Fox Business, where another Trump-aligned attorney, Rudy Giuliani, he claimed that Dominion was owned in part by Venezuelan nationals with close ties to Hugo Chavez. You're going to be astonished when I tell you how it was formed. It was formed really by three Venezuelans who were very close to, um, very close to the di dictator Chavez of uh, Venezuela. And it was formed in order to wow. fix elections. Uh, that's, the, that's the company that owns Dominion. Dominion is... So these are just a few of the examples. And another reason this case is so remarkable is usually with a defamation trial or case, you're focused on like maybe one sentence or one incident or one story. And here, Dominion has listed 20 claims 20 times, 20 what they say were defamatory statements. So this was taking place in not just the days, but the weeks after the election. We should, of course, clarify there's no evidence that Dominion voting systems manipulated election results in 2020. That's that's like our disclaimer moment here, right? Right. And it's it's interesting. It's not only a disclaimer moment between you and I, but in the courtroom itself. The, the judge in this case has already ruled that that's not even up for debate. In the courtroom during this trial, no one can argue that maybe these claims were true. Like, it is a definitive 
Dominion did not perpetrate any election fraud. And and also, it's just important to say, like, there has been no evidence of widespread fraud. You know, one thing I just can't take my eyes off, like, I cannot look away from it, and it's something you've talked about on Post Reports before, are these insider conversations that were happening at Fox. And we get to see them because as part of the discovery phase leading up to the trial, all of these private chats and texts and emails that people at the network were sending are now evidence. So what were the hosts and executives saying behind the scenes, and how does that contrast with what was being said on air? Yeah, this is one reason why perhaps a lot of companies don't want to make it to trial because you go have to go through discovery. And imagine like you in your workplace or wherever, like all of your private communications being made public, it, it can be embarrassing. Um, so what we can now see is that behind the scenes, people like Tucker Carlson, who is a ratings powerhouse, was texting to colleagues, Sidney Powell is lying. Um, he's texting that to people while he's talking about her claims on air. Several Trump campaign attorneys, prominently Sidney Powell, say they have evidence that certain voting software was rigged and that millions of ballots were changed from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. That is a shocking claim, but we do not dismiss it out of hand. You also have opinion host Sean Hannity, who was very much pro-Trump throughout the presidency. Mr. President, I I did an opening monologue today, and I had no idea you were going to invite me up here. And the one thing that has made and defined your presidency more than anything else, promises made, promises kept. Texting weeks after the election on November 24th, quote, respecting this audience, whether we agree or not, is critical. Fox has spent the month spitting at them. And... And the context for that is that after the election, Fox was the first network to call Arizona for Joe Biden. That was a key battleground state. And it was that moment where Trump started to really turn against Fox. And also Fox started seeing viewers leave the network. And that's also the moment where we're starting to see some of these election fraud claims bubble up to the surface. So while Hannity is acknowledging that you know, we might not agree with this audience. We we need to somehow signal respect to them because we've been spitting on them. And then days later, he's going on air talking about Dominion voting systems and casting doubt on them. Why we would use a system that everybody agreed sucked or had problems is beyond me. And what about Rupert Murdoch? You know, he's this 92-year-old super powerful chairman of Fox Corp. How is he being focused on? So we can now see the private emails that he was sending to Fox News executives and and writing things about getting creamed by CNN. I guess our viewers don't want to watch. This is in the days after the election. And we're seeing what he's writing to to people. And then also what we now know, because he sat for a deposition, is in hindsight how he felt about about these Dominion claims. And he said, in hindsight, I would have liked us to have been stronger in denouncing them. But he also said, even though he now thinks, you know, Janine Pirro and Sean Hannity and Lou Dobbs were essentially endorsing these election fraud claims, he says Fox itself didn't endorse them. So that's sort of the line that I think they're going to try to walk. Like, it's different for these hosts to have endorsed something than, than the corporation itself. 
But if the executives and prominent anchors and reporters had misgivings about these claims, why were they still airing them so frequently? So there's kind of two ways to think about this. If we look at the internal communications, the the text messages, the group chats, the emails, what we start to walk away with is a picture of this powerful media company that had found its fortune sort of wrapped up with Trump and his presidency worried and freaking out about losing viewers at this critical time and and how to sort of appease its Trump-supporting viewers. And is it to entertain some of these fraud claims? And essentially what Dominion is arguing is that, yes, that they aired these claims because they were motivated by profits and they were worried about their own business. Now, Fox will argue, and I am expecting to see this play out over the next few weeks, is that this was the biggest story of the day. And they're going to argue, well, actually, the people who were responsible for what was on air, they hadn't made up their minds about this. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. And so there's going to be a lot of argument about who said what, when, and who knew what, when. And it's going to play out in this Delaware courtroom for five weeks. After the break, I talk with Alahe about how lawyers for Fox are going to defend the TV network in court next week. We'll be right back. So Alahe, Dominion's lawyers are going to argue that all this is pretty obvious evidence that Fox News knowingly aired information that was wrong. What are the lawyers for Fox expected to tell the jury as their defense? It seems like the crux of Fox's defense is that the people who were actually responsible for what was broadcast and the people who said these things actually believed these election fraud claims or, at the very least, were wanting to see this play out and hadn't made up their minds yet. And so we're going to see people like Maria Bartiromo put on the stand and testify to this effect. And and Fox has already pointed to some of her emails and what they say is evidence that, you know, she actually was like believing this stuff or, you know, was still open-minded about it. And that the reason why that is relevant is because when we're thinking about actual malice, what you have to show is that, let's say you go on air and you know something is wrong, but you're saying it anyway. This is where it gets tricky. Can you argue that the president of Fox News is not responsible for what's on air? Can you argue that producers for a show are not responsible for what's on air? And that's where we're going to like see for many days and weeks, different people take the stand and testify not just to what they knew and when, but what measure of responsibility they bore for what was on air. Ever since this lawsuit was filed, Fox's argument has been, actually, this case is about freedom of the press and the First Amendment. On the eve of this trial, Fox told me in a statement that, you know, they called Dominion's lawsuit a political crusade in search of a financial windfall. And they said the real cost would be cherished First Amendment rights. And I'm expecting that Fox will argue that the First Amendment is relevant to this whole case. And then the last thing that I think we're going to see Fox argue on is they're going to really aggressively dispute that Dominion actually was damaged at $1.6 billion, and and there's going to be a lot of argument about that. 
So how is this trial going to work? What kind of rules has the judge, Eric Davis, already established before opening arguments even begin? Yeah, it's kind of interesting that we've already seen, like, so many headlines about a trial that, like, didn't even start yet, right? Um, The judge has made several rulings. Fox cannot argue that the claims they aired and the speech that was on air was defensible just because the network was covering the news and this was newsworthy and therefore it's fine. They also can't argue that the speech was defensible because, oh, these are just opinions of guests and hosts. And they also can't argue that the First Amendment is a protection from actual malice. There's some other things that they can't point to. You know, they can't, you know, point out, oh, we did a fact check later and therefore it's okay. And it's just worth pointing out, they actually never ran a retraction anyway. So Fox is limited in in the types of arguments it can make. The judge, though, also has limited Dominion in some ways. Dominion can't suggest that Fox airing these claims led up to or contributed to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. They also can't tell the jury about the specific threats that Dominion employees received after these claims were broadcast. I mean, it is something that Dominion pointed out when it filed the lawsuit that, look, there were real-life impacts to these de- these defamatory statements. According to them, they view it as defamatory, that their employees were harassed and received death threats. And Dominion can tell the jury that that these threats exist, but they can't go into detail about them. A lot of people are watching to see if Fox News hosts or Rupert Murdoch will take the stand. So what do we know about that possibility? Yeah, so the judge can compel Rupert Murdoch to take the stand. Even if Fox doesn't want to offer him up as a witness, he can compel him and force him to do so. You know, there's reports that it could happen as early as Monday or Tuesday, but it's one of those things that if that's going to happen, there are a lot of logistics that need to be worked out. So that's a that's a that will be a key moment in this trial and one to really watch out for, not just because, you know, everyone like Rupert Murdoch is like a big name and he's a very powerful executive. And he is not just a powerful executive when it comes to Fox News, but he has a whole media empire. And so even though he sat for a deposition, taking the stand in a jury trial is a whole other matter. You are going to have things picked apart over the course of, you know, hours or however long he would have to sit on the stand to, to answer these questions. And if, you know, these internal communications and things felt like very revelatory already, just imagine under questioning by an aggressive attorney, like how much more could emerge. So separately, Judge Davis has also weighed in this week on a number of important details in the lead-up to the trial. What's been happening? It's It's been complicated to follow. Yeah, I mean, one, one headline that maybe caught a lot of people's eyes is uh, the judge sort of rebuking Fox. Um, and this all has to do with what Rupert Murdoch's role actually is with Fox. So Dominion said this week that it only now learned that Rupert Murdoch holds an officer title at Fox News, that he's not just the chairman of the parent company, Fox Corps, uh, but that he holds this officer title at Fox News. And because of that, they should have gotten more documents. And 
Fox's response was, well, we just actually just learned of this too. So the reason this is an issue is the judge is saying, well, you know, I could have ruled differently on some of these things if I had known this. And he rebuked Fox, said he's going to have an investigation into this a bit about whether Fox withheld documents. And he told Fox that, you know, they're starting to have a credibility problem. How strong do legal experts say this case that Dominion has is? You know, surprisingly strong because usually defamation lawsuits brought by public figures don't make it this far. They don't make it to trial. There's, you know, you have to prove a lot. And But here there's just so much evidence that can give an indication of what was on Fox employees' state of mind as these claims were being aired. At the same time, this is still a very high standard to meet actual malice, that that people who put these things on air and were saying these things actually knew it was wrong or were really reckless and and disregarding the possibility that it was wrong. And so that's always been very hard to do. But given that uh, the legal experts we've spoken to have pointed to just the, the trove of communications and documents that have emerged thus far to say that Dominion has a lot of evidence that they can use. So since defamation is this high bar to clear in lawsuits against the press, what could it mean if Dominion succeeds in this suit for other media organizations? Do you get a sense of anxiety or or nervousness from media companies watching this case? Yeah. You know, it's a really fascinating question, and it's kind of still an open question. After Dominion filed this lawsuit, we were hearing concerns from free press advocates about the potential negative consequences that a Fox loss could have on on press writ large. And and that's certainly the crux of the public defense that Fox is making, like, out in the public, outside of the courtroom. But, you know, we've also spoken with legal experts who have suggested the opposite, that a Fox win could actually hurt journalism because it could send a message that anything goes, that you can air claims that are false, and that, you know, you're not going to suffer any consequences for it. It feels like something at the fundamental core of this is misinformation and what's allowed and what's not allowed and and how the American public has gotten so caught up in misinformation. It feels consequential, especially as we look to another presidential election and we wrestle with how to make sure people have facts and truth so they can make decisions. How is that part of this case? You know, it's so interesting because even though there's such limitations to what can be argued inside of the courtroom, outside of the courtroom, this idea of misinformation, I think, is what's on people's minds. That almost this trial serves as this symbolic test of accountability. What does accountability look like? And so I think a lot of people are paying attention to this trial for that reason. And it's also a dynamic that is, it's just not going away. Trump is running for president again in 2024. He still says that the election was stolen. And what does that mean going forward? How are we going to enter this next presidential cycle, given what happened last time? Thank you so much, Alahe. I can't wait to read your coverage as well as hear you on Post Reports. So uh, good luck in Delaware. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Alahe Azadi covers media for The Post and is a co-host of Post Reports. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh. It was edited by Lucy Perkins. It was mixed by Sean Carter. 
Thanks also to Maggie Penman and Ariel Plotnick. Our team includes Maggie Penman, Rena Flores, Ted Muldoon, Martine Powers, Alahi Azadi, Lucy Perkins, Eliza Dennis, Alana Gordon, Ariel Plotnick, Arjun Singh, Jordan Marie Smith, Renny Zvernovsky, Sabi Robinson, Emma Talkoff, Sean Carter, and Renita Jablonski. I'm Libby Casey. Thanks for having me as your guest host this week. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs>